0: God.
1: My name is Swati Mohan. I'm a guidance and control engineer at NASA JPL, and I'm so excited to talk to you about how we do planetary exploration.
0: This is a continuing episode of the Dr. Swati Mohan series. So you've worked on the Cassini and Saturn mission and the Perseverance and Mars mission. I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite Charlie and, uh, which one was your favorite?
1: (laughs) I I will have to say Mars 2020, the perseverance rover, And that's just because the amount of time I spent on Mars 2020 and, uh, where I was in the life cycle was just so much orders of magnitude more than what I had spent on Cassini for Cassini. I was uh, on it for just one year It was a super wonderful experience and a very critical year between Saturn orbit insertion and probe release, but I was fairly new and had a pretty junior position, so I would uh, term myself as more of like a fly on the wall for that mission, Hmm. supporting others and getting their job done. For Perseverance, I started almost at the very beginning of formulation when the idea was still made. I had... A, a critical, a key lead role. And I was there from the very beginning through landing days. So I, I, you know, I helped build it and test it and make it and make sure it worked. So the investment was just, hmm. I put a lot more time and energy and, and heart and soul into to perseverance
0: wow okay and
1: then which
0: of those two was most challenging
1: like i said i I worked so much more on perseverance that i don't think i could adequately compare to Mm. to cassini at least my role on cassini cassini had its own challenges you know it the proposal for cassini was written in 1982 i believe which was the year i was born it was launched in in 97, it had this super long cruise to get to Saturn. It didn't reach until till 2004, and then it had this long period at Saturn. So it, it went through its own challenges in terms of development and, and launch and uh, getting to Saturn and the team waiting that long in order to actually get the science. You know, people who'd started in 1982 and only actually got to Saturn in 2004 which is a very different time span than you know for me working on Perseverance where I I started in 2013 and we landed in 2021 so wow it's part of my career but it's still not my whole career like I'm far from done but I've kind of finished so it's a it's a very different experience I think in chronology uh, and complexity that comes with that chronology wow
0: Okay. Yeah, so it sounds like the mission length is mostly predominant with uh, travel. Is Is that true?
1: Travel and complexity of the mission and the development. Cassini actually went through multiple iterations. I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on the history of Cassini, but they had their own challenges during development for scope. They had a couple of iterations that they had to go through to to manage that scope before they finally were able to to get to design and to build it, to launch.
0: When you were thinking about becoming a, a NASA scientist, uh, did you know that the mission lengths would be so long?
1: Vaguely, maybe? I mean, I think very peripherally. You know, they Star Trek, uh, the movie Star Trek Four, the one with the whales, yeah. uh, they make a reference to this because... Part of it refers, maybe it's Star Trek 1, I actually don't know. Part of it references the mission Voyager. Mm, and at that one. point, like Voyager has gone all the way out and like interacted with someone else. Uh, so it gives this vague context of long lifetimes of, of these missions and like where they eventually go out to. But I certainly had never put it into context of what it meant in terms of a, a single person's career, right. or what you could accomplish or contribute to.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really amazing how long those missions are. I work in the software field, so maybe when I first started, a software release might take a year, and now it's 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 you know it's more like weeks or even shorter. When we were working in software releases that take, well, actually, I think my first one was like two years before it went live. It was like living with another person in your room, I suppose, and, and you're constantly, you know, that's your, where your headspace is. And the people around you sort of understand, oh, yeah, Lance is working on blah, blah, blah. He's the guy to go talk to about blah, blah, blah. And that, that kind of becomes your branding for uh, a long mm-hmm. time. But that's only like like two years. So at NASA, it must be... Uh, wow, when you join a mission, it could be
1: half of your life. Yes, depending on the mission. Depending on your role on the mission, too. You know, what the mission needs evolves over time and the type of people that they need evolve over time. So it's not to say that every role will always take that long. There's certain ones that come in and come out. But, um, you know, and it's a choice, too. Some people like that they they associate with the mission itself and the objective so they're willing to flex their particular role in order to see the mission through uh, other people like the task or the challenge portion so they they come in to do that specific task and then and some may have done it for some missions and others i know what my management told me when i took the mars 2020 gig i was still a pretty new employee. I think I was just about three years out of my PhD. And basically I said, this is a great opportunity join in and learn, you know, come in from the start of mission, do one mission, you know, cradle to grave, so to speak, from beginning to end and learn everything you can about how a mission is done and how to actually execute all of these phases. And that will set you up really well for the future. So then you can kind of still be effective in the next mission even if you don't work the entire phase you can come in for a particular phase and get a job done because you've at least seen all of it through one mission oh yeah
0: that makes complete sense yeah so you're more holistically you've seen a whole holistic i mean you've seen a mission holistically so you're familiar with all the phases of of missions
1: and the challenges especially that go with each of the phases that is important to to highlight in each of those different things but one of the most Important things is knowing what you should be worried about in each phase, you know, so that you can spend the most time, get the most bang for your buck for knocking down those risks, uh, than trying to polish cannonballs or expend (laughs) energy on on areas that seem to be a big deal but aren't actually a big deal. You know, that's where we gets you know, loop-de-loop sometimes. Does that, so tell me, does that happen? It always happens. I mean, it's something that you think is, because none of us are perfect. And the way we do engineering uh, is all about mitigating risk. You know, what is the the worst thing that could happen? How do, my, how do I set myself up and set this design up to have the best possible chance for success? Uh, but our understanding of what that is is colored by our experience and our knowledge, both of what the system can do and what the environment will be, uh, which are both imperfect. They're always through the lens of the information that we have at the time that we have it. It's a constant game of what's the biggest risk? What do I perceive as the biggest Risk and the consequence, and how do I drive that down as I'm working through all these problems?
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 technology is a moving target. So the assumptions one made, like in the Cassini, well, I don't know when Cassini launched, but the the original paper, it's 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 uh, assumptions about the type of technology that would go into Cassini was I imagine different than what actually went into Cassini. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely true. Although you'd be some, you'd be shocked at how. Uh, old school our technology and software that we actually fly ends up being compared to people are so used to things that like fit on cell phones nowadays and even smaller they'd be shocked at the what they perceive as rudimentary you know technology that actually flies these these space missions but but they have heritage they've done it before and Part of what mitigates that risk is, I know this thing can do the job because it's done it before, and even though this new thing seems like it could be better and flashier, and flashier, I don't particularly need that extra behavior because I know I can get it done with this. So the, in a lot of cases, it's way less risky to go with the known thing that you know can get the job done than to try to switch to something else uh, that seems better to switch to, but that you don't actually need. And that's all tempered by sometimes we have to, because things go obsolete and you can't buy them anymore, or um, the mission itself needs more performance improvement for whatever reason, then you have to make that switch. So Mm. all those decisions are taken into effect, and usually you make those switches when you have to, Mm. uh, not just because...
0: the 22nd century and although there's no faster than light drive governments and religious organizations fund voyages by giant ships that spend multiple generations in voyage to earth-like exoplanets young arcady feels blessed to be born aboard the ship when he did because the ship will soon reach its destination, and it will happen during his lifetime. But he's heartbroken that instead of being trained as a pilot, he is stuck training to be a farmer because those skills are more important for creating their civilization and completing the abandonment of Earth and the troubles they left behind. But once their ship makes Planetfall, The strife left behind a millennia ago resurfaces, starting with the murder of his sister. After the mysterious disappearance of other generation ships, Arcady, now, an officer of the Space Force, suspects that someone close to him is killing his people. This murder investigation Space Opera is a novelette by Lancer Kind and it's called Memories Victims. It is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's nook. Sci-Fi Thoughts has collected a bunch of show notes. You will find videos of Dr. Swati Mohan talking about her work with some of the past NASA missions. There's also a video of her and her team talking to the president of the United States. And she was on the Kelly Clarkson show. And there's a few others in there too. So where are the show notes? The show notes are right there in your podcast player. If you don't use a podcast player, go back to the webpage where you downloaded this MP3. The Dr. Swati Mohan series started at episode 197. If you missed that episode, you can find it by searching for Lancer Sci Fi Thoughts Archive. Next episode, more Dr. Swati Mohan. Why are timelines so long? Like, what, what change or innovation must happen to cut those timelines down?